Welcome to another episode of the No Ceilings Podcast. I'm Tyler Metcalf, joined as always by Tyler Rucker. Rucker, how are we doing? Um, I'll, I'll be honest, Metcalf, just absolutely terrible. Um, <laughs> getting, I'm getting ready for game six. Shams just dropped a bomb that Time Lord hath come. He's starting. Fortunate. You know, the, the old lineup's back. We're getting the gang back together. So pretty big deal. Whatever it takes. Shout out Avengers. I'm probably gonna like puke four times before the game um just really nervous i hope that jason tatum found the aliens from space jam that stole his talent for the last two games but other than that super super excited for this episode a lot of heat coming a lot of good thoughts i think i think this one's going to be a special one so how are you doing sir how's how's everything going you played golf last weekend should we get another intro with golf talk i mean how was it well i'm, I'm going to counter that with weather talk everyone's favorite <laughs> couldn't get out on the course bad weather unfortunately <laughs> so you know flying to, to more weddings this weekend um so just golf keeps getting delayed just everyone's favorite banter golf weather weddings it's it's the holy grail of tr- yeah. the, the, the holy trinity, as they say. Um, no one cares about that. What they do care about is this G League Ignite team from this year who has potentially three first rounders on yep. it, uh, potentially four total draft picks. Um, really fun group of guys this year. Um, and two guys who are even going to be eligible in next year's draft in Baba Karsane <laughs> and uh, London Johnson. We're not really going to dive into their games, but I'm really excited about them. I was really intrigued with just the chaos that Sane brought to the court. Every time he stepped on freak athlete, I thought London Johnson did a really good job of improving his overall game throughout the year. But Rucker, before we dive into Scoot Henderson and CD Sissoko and London Miller and Mojave King, um, let's just talk about the ignite program, big picture kind of, and, what were what are your kind of general thoughts on it? I love it. I think it, it's a slam dunk. I think it couldn't be better. I think we're seeing the results of how awesome it's been. I, I feel like me and you were very passionate last year about some people were like, eh, I don't know about the Ignite. And I was like, "There, this is a fantastic developmental yeah. league for, for a lot of these prospects. We I saw with Jane Hardy. I feel like last year I was just battling people about Jane Hardy. I was like, this is exactly what they're, doing on purpose like everyone's like well the turnovers and you know is he's not shooting it well i was like there you said um one of our last couple episodes metcalf is like they put him in uncomfortable positions to get comfortable you're trying to develop them and get them ready for the nba level and i think the ignite has done a fantastic job of that um coach hart this year with with this crop of players is really really left like this is an unbelievable from where they were in the beginning of the year, these guys to where they are now. And, and we're going to talk about all of them and scoot from even last year to now it is remarkable how different their games look. And I think the ignites becoming one of the best routes now, you know, I, I think there's a lot of cases where some of these high schoolers, it's like, why wouldn't you go to the ignite? Like, obviously you can go to the college and do the one and done if you want the college experience, but I think a lot of guys are going to keep looking at the ignite and saying you know look at the success they've had look at you know if they have three first rounders this year the ignite's going to be like look at this we just had three first rounders from our team last year and coming into the year if you told me that i would have been like well i know one of them's going to be but two of them i was like eh, i don't know after seeing them the beginning of the year because i just thought they were so raw and now i'm like it, it would not shock me so what about you metcalf i mean are you buying in? Do you think this is just the start of something beautiful? I, I feel like they're just trending up in a hurry and it's only getting better. Yeah. So I, Adam Silver is very clearly tried to incorporate a lot into the NBA from what European soccer does. And yes. one of the big things in European soccer is that all of the clubs have their own developmental system. And I think this is kind of the ignite or the ignite is the NBA's kind of first step into that realm of having these teams have their own developmental systems of getting these kids at a much younger age than just instead of just out of college. And they're able to kind of grow their games and put them in more 
game ready situations, NBA game level situations, and grow their all around game a little earlier. I think this Ignite program has been an extraordinary success. Um, only a couple of years into it. I love that they expanded the schedule this year and that they're playing more games. Um, I thought they've done a really good job of bringing in veterans to mentor these guys and really kind of teach them the ropes and hype them up and build them up at both on and off the court. Everything they're doing just feels right. Um, it, it, it's really encouraging. And I think a lot of, obviously every situation is different and, maybe college is better for some, for some kids and OT is better for others and international is better for, for some others. But I think the more that this goes on, I think the ignite is going to continue to show that they're the best kind of route at getting these young guys NBA ready the quickest. It's amazing to me that we are still seeing people way overthink especially Scoot Henderson and even, even CD and Leonard Miller too, where it's like, did we not just learn from what happened with Jaden Hardy? Obviously Jaden Hardy only kind of got spot minutes had an inconsistent role this year, but when he was on the court, he was a really good player and he performed a lot of that is because he grew his game a ton with the yes. night and he continued that growth into his NBA career. So why now that we see Scoot and CD and Leonard Miller and Mojave King struggle in specific areas, why is that now being downgraded and being kind of viewed in a skeptical manner? It's, it's just like, I had a good friend that used to work um, as an assistant coach for a long time with the Stockton Kings, uh, Sacramento Kings uh, G league team. And I used to talk to him all the time about like when the ignite were first starting out and, you know, that was where Jalen Green was there in Kaminga. And he's just like, everything that the program is doing is, you know, it's it's thought out. It's very specific. Like, they're trying to improve the weakness in these prospects' games so that they can get to a respectable level where they're not, you know, a deer in the headlights at the NBA level. And, and I think Jaden Hardy was the perfect example of that, of this lethal off-ball shooter that had all this buzz coming into it, but it was like Hardy needed to have the ball in his hands. He had to learn how to be a playmaker. He had to learn how to run an offense. So yeah, I wasn't shocked when he started out the year and it was high turnovers and inconsistent play, but you go watch that season last year and see the growth in his game. And I think early in the year, I got to see these guys I, I've talked about before, like go play against Victor in the Metropolitan 92s. And, and like the first game, I was like, you know, Sissoko and Leonard Miller, I was like, this is the perfect place for them. Like there's flashes, but they need the Ignite. The Ignite are going to have real fun with getting these two guys to to start believing and working on their games. And I think you've seen that with both of them. Obviously, we're going to have a lot to talk about Scoop, but, you know, even Mojave King, I, I thought it was brilliant for Mojave to go with the Ignite because one of those guys that was drawing some some buzz overseas, but everyone was wanting a little bit more. And at one point this year, we were like, Mojave King might be a little early second rounder. And um, I still think he's going to have some fans in front offices, but you never know. I, I just continue to believe in this program. I think they're trending in the right direction and they're becoming one of the best developmental assets for prospects to go to. I 100% agree. Um, it's weird to me that, People are still kind of skeptical of a lot mm -hmm. of these guys. Um, but before we get into the breaking down their individual games, let's take a quick break. And we're back. Record, we, we have to start with Scoot Henderson. Um, coming into the year, he was number one on my board. I absolutely adored what his game was um he obviously felt it too for me after victor Wembanyama showed everything that he's shown throughout the entire season but i haven't wavered at all with scoot at two there are some things that i've come away a little frustrated or disappointed in but overall i think he's a guy where you would be thrilled about him being your kind of franchise cornerstone what big picture view what were your takeaways with scoot's film this year um my takeaways were if I was a franchise that was going to be in the running for the lottery, 
And, you know, as we're recording this, we got five more days, which is so awesome to say out loud. Um, tomorrow, it'll be, or as everyone's listening to this, it'll be almost four, which is insane. Everyone wants Victor. I think I would still do a backflip if you got number two. Yeah. Um, that's how high I think of Scoot. Everyone's got their, you know, their opinions are, you know, oh, maybe Scoot's fallen. Maybe I'm like, okay. Every single team that's picking third and fourth is hoping that you're right. Because I, I, I don't know what else you need from a point guard. I think he's checked every box I've wanted him to see. I went to go see them live. Shocker. I brought this up. And I was a Scoot skeptic because I was just like, I don't know if I'm buying the hype. And I also was a skeptic about Victor because I was just like, me and you talked in the beginning of the year. I was like, I went into that thing open-minded of like, I haven't seen them in person, so I'm not going to make this crazy, you know, generational. I was like, no, I haven't seen them in person. Mm -hmm. And I just, as impressive as Victor was, I was as impressed with Scoot because standing on the court just next to him, I was like, this dude is bulky. Like he's ripped for a point guard. You just don't see that. And I was also as like length is freaky. And then it gets reported months later that he's got the plus seven wingspan or whatever, or plus six. And I was just like, yeah, that checks out. And everything you've heard, all the intangibles, his work ethic, what type of mindset and character he has. And it just seems like he's so mature. Um, I, I just, you don't find this point guard prospect every year everyone's but, but he's just, a 16 no, point guard there no aren't they? no you don't find this one this is everyone's fascinating was like you know victor being an alien scoot henderson was created in a lab like this is a freak of nature point guard and um i think there's been a lot of derrick rose and russell westbrook comparisons and it's just i don't throw those names around a lot but i i think he's up there like it it, it is scary how quickly he could turn the turbos on and just violently ruin someone's life around the basket. I just, and I think some people are trying to nitpick his game and I'm like, what are we doing here? Like mm-hmm. people are like, Oh, he, he takes too many mid range shots. And I'm like, that's because there's no one three feet from him. And I would be taking an elbow jumper. If I could get that, you know, if I could do a little in and out and get to the elbow and take that shot every time I'd be taking that shot. Yeah. So I, I've been very I'm trying to figure out how to play this. I've been very harsh with evaluating him because when you're a point guard, I'm, I'm, I'm always like, it's a rough learning curve. You, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the mouth. And I feel like that quote, shout out Mike Tyson fits the best with point guards trying to make the next leap because you think you have top speed until you get to the NBA and everything's going super sonic speeds. And I think scoot, is one guy who could transition and be like, I'm ready to roll because of two years of playing in the G league. He's worked on his game. His body's filled out. He's mature leader. I I just, I've taken him at two. Mm -hmm. I don't care what logo is shown on the screen on lottery night for the second pick. I'm taking him. And I know some Pistons fans might hear that. And if it's them be like, what are you talking about? You do not want to pass up Scoot Henderson. I, I very much believe this. So I don't know where you're at, Metcalf. And I love Brandon Miller. I love all these guys. ELE, everybody love everybody. But I think it's Victor Scoot, and I think that's the way the draft should go. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. I haven't for a second wavered on having Scoot at two. I've gotten to the point where I can kind of, sort of, squint my eyes and imagine Brandon Miller going at yes. three, given that it's wings league, given how good of a shooter he is, given how much I, how, how much I think of him. Um, but just everything scoot does screams franchise cornerstone to me. And and you mentioned a couple names with your comps. I, he, he feels like the love child of Russell Westbrook and Chris Paul to me. Um, the way that he reads the game can control every aspect of it. He doesn't, have to live with his outside jumper it's fine it's not good it's not where you want it to be yet but it's taking steps in the right direction it improved from last year and that's what you want to see last year the percentages were bad because he was a 17 year old going from high school competition and high school three-point line to nba competition and an nba three-point line those are big jumps so it's understandable that 
the three point percentage isn't where you want it to be. If it was still down there again this year, okay, cause for concern, but it improved not drastically, but it improved. And when you look at the mid range shooting, the, the mechanics are good. He gets into it so effortlessly. Um, he's not a hesitant mid range shooter. I think the form looks good. The touch looks good. Um, the biggest thing with me right now is he is far and away the best playmaker in this draft class. Um, it's so impressive how he controls every aspect of the game and just manipulates defenses. And the big difference for me this year with his playmaking from last year, last year, we saw a lot of the highlight stuff, the high energy chaotic, I'm going to jump in the air, twist, contort my body and make this acrobatic kick out pass still a couple of those this year, but it was way more nuanced where when he was in the pick and roll, he was dragging out the extra, the, or the defender, an extra dribble or two to make that pocket pass window a little, a little bigger. He was using his off ball movement to generate mismatches and move the defense to then create pocket passes or kickouts. Um, when he attacks the lane, he always knows exactly what is going on on the weak side and reading, okay, is that weak side defender collapsing to the corner shooter, staying on the wing, and wherever he goes, I'm moving it to the other guy. And if the defense doesn't collapse on me, cool, I have a dunker layup at the rim. He has just such a, a natural understanding of how to run an NBA offense while at the same time being able to thrive without the ball. It's – I there just really isn't anything about his offense that gives me pause. I think the, the most alarming thing I saw this year was someone questioning his, play, uh, his playmaking. Yeah. Was it Woj? No, um, someone's, was it Woj saying someone said, it, it, was, it was some anonymous NBA source. We love those. I love the anonymous NBA source. Um, yeah, that, that almost gave me a stroke because I, I feel like he's been one of the best playmakers in this class. Um, because I, I, I think you're spot on about that when it comes to like his his last year was some out of control, chaotic playmaking where you're like, okay, that's cool. This year, I felt like you could tell things were slowing down. Now, he still does have some out of control stuff yep. that he's going to And I'm fine with that. But he was what? He was still 18 this year for most of the season. Um. I, I I think he's got it all. Um, I mean, I, I feel like going into that first game, I watched him in person. Me and you were talking about like, oh, I hope he takes the strides defensively. And watching those games, I was like, there's desire there to be a defensive kind of pest. He's a point guard. He's young. I still, you know, he's going to have some areas of his game that are going to need to get ironed out. Every prospect's not finished. I understand that. But from what I've seen from him, the development, the stride forward in one year. I mean, my goodness. Now, if going back to what I said previously, like if Detroit got two and they love Brandon Miller, get a King's ransom for two, go back a couple spots or go back a spot or go back two spots. And if you think you could get Brandon Miller, fine. I understand if you do that, like you got to think long-term, but I just wouldn't want to be the team that passes up on Scoot Henderson. Um, so I don't know. I, is there something in his game that you're worried about as a rookie? Ooh, um, I think he's going to turn it over a lot as a rookie. Um, which, happens, so than, which happens, which right. happens, like for everyone listening, I wrote a piece last year at noceilingsnba.com. It's absolutely free. Shout out everyone that just rolled their eyes. I wrote about how point guards take time yeah. and I have a very, it, it's a very eye opening list. When you see the names on it, it's Gary Payton, Jason Kitt, Steve Nash, everyone hits their stride at different times in the career. And when they hit it, my goodness, buckle up. So, and, and those guys didn't have what scoot just had, where it was two years of almost NBA like experience to get ready for that. So I'm not saying scoot's going to be like, you know, Jason Kidd is a rookie, but I'm saying like if he has a high number of turnovers, it won't worry me. Um, I also had Steph Curry in that one. Like he, there's a lot of different platforms and paths it takes to all of a sudden everything clicking as a point guard. So sorry, I just wanted to say that. So also no, trying to help um, you because I know you're in deep thought and, you know, 
helping you out. No, uh, long periods of silence are great for audio, <laughs> uh, audio mediums. Um, no, so offensively, I don't have really any long-term concerns and really even many short-term concerns. Um, I expect the outside shot to, you know, it's not going to, he's not going to light up the arena with it. Uh, he's going to turn the ball over some, but I think he does such a good job of playing whatever role is asked of him, where he is going to be one of these really rare, malleable superstars where you can kind of just plug and play him. Obviously he's a point guard, the six, two, six, three height. You would love, I'd love for that to be six, six, but it's not. Yes, on the court, he's going to be a point guard, but we saw, we've seen for two years now him operate a ton away from the ball. I, people are going to pull up their synergy profiles right now and see that almost 44% of his possessions came as a pick-and-roll ball handler. Those are possessions where he took a shot, and those are scoring possessions. So much on the court, he is constantly moving without the ball. He's a really good cutter. He's a willing off-ball screener. Um, and then he cuts and then rescreens and then relocates and cuts again, whether it's a set play or just intuition. He does that all the time. And that's one of the areas where I really deviate from the Russell, the Russell Westbrook comp because, yes, the athleticism, the chaotic ability to get to the rim at will, the, the highlight stuff, I get all that. But when Westbrook doesn't have the ball, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't screen. He doesn't cut. He doesn't move. Scoot Henderson is constantly doing stuff where he's where he's cutting to the rim. He's setting screens for for off ball shooters to free them up, and setting screens and cutting to create mismatches for either him or his teammate. It's constantly doing stuff to put the entire offense, not just himself, the entire offense in a in a position to succeed. So, I, I think yeah, the Pistons adding another point guard after Jaden Ivey and Kate Cunningham. It might be clunky. I don't care. You, you figure it out because those are three guys, especially Cade and Scoot. No, not trying to knock Ivy here. I think he's a little more of a shooting guard anyways, but Cade and Scoot are smart enough and versatile enough and malleable enough where I think you can have them on the floor together and you're going to figure it out offensively and the ball movement in that offense is just going to be incredible. Where I do worry about them a little bit is on the defense end. Where, where where are you at with the defense? What's the area of concern? Because I feel like the on ball, I've seen much gross when it comes to like his desire. Um, I think in isolation, where are you at? Yeah. in isolation, I think he's good. I think his screen navigation is rough, um, and then I think the off ball stuff is not good. I thought it got better throughout the year um, when he wanted to. I kind of fucking hate that platitude, but. <laughs> Um, you know, oh, well, when he wanted to, he's an awesome defender. Well, okay. It'd be nice if he wanted to a little more, but the off ball awareness, um, he lost track of what was behind him a ton. He ball watched a lot. Uh, the screen navigation, like I said, not good, but the screen navigation in particular improved throughout the year. Um, there was just a lot of lacking attention to detail on the defensive end. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. Um, I, I I just feel like we could talk about him forever. Do you want to move on, or you got any last lasting thoughts about Scoot? Um, just big picture with Scoot. Give me your favorite what, fit. Give me your favorite, favorite fit. Oh God. Um, I I think Houston makes a tremendous amount of sense. Um, San Antonio, I love. Orlando, if they jump up, I would. I think him and Paulo Franz would be an awesome um, combination. What about you? I haven't. Oh man, I haven't given enough i or enough attention to Scoot going to San Antonio. And my goodness, would I love that! And. I don't care any rumor I hear, but if San Antonio got two and they, those rumors of them thinking of taking a man over scoot, I would, you know, I don't know what I would do. Um, Houston's up there. Just because that, that team has so much talent and is in 
such desperate need of a point guard. And I, I think he would make the lives of Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Tari Eason, Shangoon. I think he would make all of their lives so easy. I like Houston a lot. Um, I don't know. There's a world where Charlotte gets it and then trades Lamelo. Kidding, Hornets fans. Kidding. Sorry. Where are you? Um, <laughs> okay, um, that yeah. that's all I got on Scoot for now. Um, I don't want to say I, Portland because I don't want to go down that rabbit hole until we have to. <laughs> that, 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 there's a whole lot of franchise changes yeah. going on then. Although, yes. could you play Dame at the two? Defensively, that's going to be rough, but maybe just light, lighten his load a little bit. I unfortunately know what that would require. I think that would require that Blazers front office just ringing the dinner bell and be like, who wants to? You better <laughs> st- or offer us a star. Carl Anthony Towns for number two. <laughs> you heard it first. No, I'm kidding. We're having fun. All right. Where do you want to go? Talk to me. Do you want chaos or... Okay. Imagination um, land. Let's let's go with C- CD Sissoko. I'm just going let's down do my it. board. When um, the lights go out in the city, I knew. God, I'm telling again, you, I'm I hate you so much. <laughs> I love City. So okay, so we need to talk because I feel like you've caught up on your ignite yep. dive. So I still kind of want to hammer you with the questions because I this is the part of the year where I really enjoy because now I get to kind of flip the script. Um, I love City Soko. Hit me with your thoughts, your reactions, your positives. Where are you at? You know, you don't have to give big board rankings, but just tell me what, like, what was your vibes? Uh, really, really positive. Good. Um, we love positivity. I, I think he has the potential to come out as one of, you know, the best off ball kind of wing slash forwards in this class. Um, I know the shooting percentages weren't awesome, but I think his shot looks fine. I think he'll be a good scorer. I think he's a really good cutter, really good driver. The passing I thought was absolutely incredible. That's um, really fun. It's the the vision, the accuracy, the creativity, the unselfishness, whether it's coming off a screen, running a pick and roll, kicking out of drives and transition. His entire passing arsenal is one of the most impressive in the first round. I think City's got the the potential to be one of the best values in this first round. Yeah, I really do. I think he's got so many areas that I I'm just like, oh man, there's some co- there's some serious stuff cooking in this kitchen right now. Like the defensive stuff, the playmaking. I love his mentality in transition or just when he's getting downhill. I think just he's got the mentality. Super physical, super strong. It's just what you dream. Like you dream of that mentality in a wing. Um, I, I, I'm really interested to see what he measures at. I, obviously. I, I think friend of the program, Pujita. Oh yeah. Poo, six, Poo eight, said he's two, six, eight. So, 20? so that's a big point. Someone, someone commented and made a good point where I think I saw this in the beginning of the year. He was listed way shorter. And then someone was like, I swear I saw him at like six, five, six, six. Did he have a huge growth spurt? And I was like, I think I saw that maybe last year. And I know what you're talking about. And then, Everywhere I looked, he was six seven six eight, and then friend of the program, Pujiter, said City is six eight. I was like, reliable source. So <laughs> um, he's got a lot of stuff, Metcalf. Um, he's also got some stuff. I wouldn't be shocked if he's getting in the top twenty on draft night, mm-hmm. just because I think someone's going to be like, yes, like I, I just think that's the, the a lot of checking boxes, like. Yeah, and he's he's super toolsy, really athletic. Um, I, I what I worry about is people kind of getting in the or maybe trending towards oh well he has all this on ball upside and it's like I I don't think that's what no he is. Yeah. it's so hard to do that in the NBA we really have to scale that back and be realistic about expectations with it because one one of my biggest gripes with his offense. Um, is the ball handling. I I don't think he's a really dynamic ball handler. I thought he kind of struggled when help defense came or was really put under pressure. Um, Definitely more of a North South type of guy and not East West kind of creating space that way. But when he was going North North South, he's so strong and secures the ball really well. Once he gets it in his gather and goes up, 
where it's like, okay, this is a real tool. You like the, the straight line drive is a real tool for you, especially if the shot is just okay and you force defenders to close out because then yeah, you know, he obviously has the size and the strength to finish at the rim or at least initiate contact, get to the line, but then also the tool to find cutters and shooters on the weak side. Um, but just because there's that kind of creation, that secondary tertiary creation upside with him, I, I don't want people to kind of overblow it and get into the, oh, he could be a primary on-ball creator. It's like, like 10% of the league is actually that guy. Yeah, the on-ball creation, I, I feel like it's a little like we all dream of it, but it's like how many of those are we really right. force-feeding? But like I'm even looking outside the lottery right now, and 16, 17, 18, 19 is Utah, Lakers, Miami Heat, Golden State Warriors. I love him everywhere there. I'd like him on every team there. I feel like that's a good spot for him everywhere. And then like Houston, even at 20, I'm like, might make some oh, sense. God, I like, love him with Miami. Miami, I love him. And I like him with the Lakers. I think that's a, the right mentality to put in on the wings. Like obviously the shot needs to come around, but like you get a nasty defensive, just like I'm going to the basket to rip your head off with the stunt. Like he's just has the mentality you want from a raw wing. And mm -hmm. He was the, one of the top guys that I saw when I saw that game live in the beginning of the year. And I love that game because it was like, I get to see him as just complete raw and get to evaluate the film all year. And when I saw City, he made a play and I was like, my goodness. And then he had an out of control play. And I was like, this is the best possible guy for the Ignite this year. Yeah. And I'm not trying to dog Leonard, Leonard Miller, but I was like, City is the ignite needs city and city needs the ignite as like, this is a perfect marriage because I was like, he has the tools to really be something, but they need him to just get reps and slow down and, you know, play with some poise. And I think you saw that with the playmaking coming out throughout the year, because mm -hmm. it's some really, really impressive stuff. Um, when it, it's just feel and awesome vision. And I, I don't know. I just, I think that's gonna be a hot name. I, I think there's some fans. There's been fans. That's why he came from overseas to come play with the Ignite. Mm -hmm. Like I, there, I think there's going to be some front offices really intrigued. Where are you at with the defense? I think there's some really special stuff developing. Um, I think there's some good fundamentals. I think there's some physicality. I think there's some on-ball blocks that he he shows some really good stuff. I, I feel like you're not there. So talk to me. I, you, I think is it the consistency maybe that you're you're lacking on a little bit or, or where else? Like I, I think he's got a lot of stuff that you're like, this is good foundation mm -hmm. to build off of. Yeah, and I, I I just I think he's really raw right now. Um kind of fouls a little more mm -hmm. than you want. Um and a lot of that is I think he kind of struggles guarding up. Like guarding four, quicker guys yeah oh, um, oh, guarding, guarding down yeah, yeah guarding down. no it's okay Christ. i get it um well, so with I, big boards and stuff we're always talking up and down i yeah, still don't I know. know what the right way to phrase it is because every time i say it i'm like <laughs> no that's not right like you need to move them you know yeah whatever. so like so like comparing him to a guy like Bilal koulibaly i i really like the idea of koulibaly switching mostly one through three i kind of want cd to go more three four if that makes sense i i think his his physicality, his strength, his instincts, so the work rate are all generally good. I think his kind of first step um, against the quicker guys is a little slow, and he tends to cross his feet doing that, which, you know, takes him off balance, puts him a step behind, and leads to a lot of the reaches and, and the fouls and stuff. But the intention, the, the work rate, the competitiveness, both on and off ball, I thought was there, um, at least to a level where it's like, okay, we, we can – elevate this with more experience and more coaching and all that kind of stuff. So I I'm encouraged long-term. I don't think he's going to be a good defender immediately. Um, shocker. 99% of rookies aren't. Um, but I think, you know, three, four or five years from now, I think he could be a, a, a really at least above average defender. Um, I'm trying to be better about this, but for everyone that's not familiar, here's a little background on City's stats for the year. So um, average 29 minutes a game. He averaged 11.6 points, 2.8 rebounds, 3.1 assists, 
one block, 1.1 steals, shooting splits of 43, 31, 64. Um, but like, I mean, he had some stretches in the year where you're just like, whoa, city, like something's starting to click. Like he had a four game stretch where it was or five game stretch. Sorry, where he was 23, 24, 22, 22, 20. Like he, he started cooking and I was like, uh oh, the light switch has come on for city. So I'm right there with you. I'm never going to. I don't think we ever should say like, oh, he's going to come in and be a dominant defender as a rookie because it's like, no, you're not. And if you are, you're a freak of nature. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think we're ever going to get an all defensive rookie like wing. I, I don't know. It, and someone's probably going to like, oh, it, that's happened. I'm like, yeah, that, that probably did happen. I get it. But um, I just also think it's just a different age when it comes to awards and stuff. Like now it's media, social media driven, like whatever. That's for another episode. But I do like see, I, I, I've warmed up on him a lot. Um, I, and that's why I was really excited to do this episode with you when you caught up, because I feel like I was lower to start the year. And then the growth I've seen, I've been like, all right, I'm in. And the playmaking really got me there. The nastiness, the mentality. And I think the shot is coming along in a, in a promising way. So, yeah, I, I think the shot will be at least good enough um, where, you know, he's playable. I, I don't think it's going to take him off the floor by any means. Um, when you, so I, I, I agree with you. He he's risen a ton up my board. I think he should be easily a first rounder. Um, when you think of his game, who does it remind you of? A pro comp for city. Yep. Uh, I, 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 you'd start. No, I don't a, like this. A couple that have come to mind. I'm not married to them. I don't necessarily love them, but like a blend of like Torian Prince, Harrison Barnes, some Obi Toppin. Um, those are kind of three names that. I, I think are kind of workable in terms of role and kind of physical tools and, and how they operate. Harrison Barnes with Freddy Krueger's mentality. There you go. There's my pro con. I, and I do like Harrison, but I feel like I wanted Harrison early on with the Warriors to just be like, just go dunk on people. And then I feel like he finally did it to someone on the Timberwolves. Who was the, Oh gosh, who was the, was. who was the big man on the Timberwolves that literally I loved him. And then I feel like he just fit. He looked like he was in the KGB. Oh, uh, Nikola Pekovic? Yes. Yeah. I, I think he dunked on Pekovic, and it was just like the most vicious slam of all time. But I, Pekovic also, when I was working um, game nights for the Warriors, walked by me a game he was sitting out and literally was just like in an all-black suit with no tie. And I was like, he's literally in the KGB in the offseason. Like, well, yeah, I'm he just came from his day job. Yes, 100%. <laughs> like, I was just shocked. I was like, he's terrifying. So, um, shout out, Peck. Um, but... I don't know. I, I just city's got some fun stuff. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of fun teams towards the end of the first round that I think I'd love for them to get, like I talked to Nick on the deep dives. I was like, I'd love him to go to the Kings somehow, just somehow go to the King, like be a nice little fit. Um, even a team like Brooklyn or something like that. You just get in a fun area where you start talking about like, Oh, that'd be a good spot. That'd be a good spot. You know, I don't know. So yeah, I don't know. Well, anything I, else, or you want to no, go? I, I, I think we, I think we got to move on to Leonard Miller. But first, let's take our last break. Okay, so this one might get a little spicy, uh, Leonard Miller. Um, you know, what? I'm just going to throw it to you, Rucker. Where, where are you at with with Leonard? Um, mental torture. <laughs> so can i vent yeah, always all right good this is for everyone that's really excited to listen to this episode because you saw leonard miller's name now here here's what's going to happen there's a lot of fans about leonard miller um and and you guys are probably really excited to hear some two of these guys be really positive probably on the wrong show if you want that. So, and I'm not going to be very negative. It's just, I'm not at the level of love that some people are. There's a lot of people that know ceilings that are very mm -hmm. in love. 
Um, and, and I respect that. And we've all had very, this isn't the sensible hour. We've had some very <laughs> educated talks about Leonard Miller and it's been a puzzling one because some of us feel other ways. Some of us like him, but we don't like him, you know, as a lottery guy where we've seen other people talk about him as that. Some of us like him and we're just like, I, I'd love him to go to a playoff team. I'd love him to go later to have like a more unique fit. And the f- draft is about fit and i wrote this in my piece um about doing like the draft tiers i put leonard miller in a tier where i said the fit is going to be fascinating and i continue to believe leonard miller's fit is going to be the most interesting storyline of the draft because i'll be honest i'm not gonna lie to anyone i love everyone I, i i'm not gonna lie to you guys i promise i never will last year I couldn't have been more out on Leonard Miller. Like when he was getting that buzz and everyone was like, I was like, absolutely not. I don't see it at all. And I was like, I'll be wrong. I just don't see it at all. I feel like he needs another year, blah, blah, blah. And then there was rumors he was going to Arizona. And I was like, oh gosh, I have to get, you know, I have to sort of start to like him because he might be a wildcat. And then he decided to go to the Ignite. And I was like, yes, perfect decision. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of the year again, I'm sorry, I keep bringing this up. But when I saw him in person, I saw him warming up and I was like, gosh, he's so big. I was just like, he's really lengthy. The, the frame's impressive. I was like, he looks like he has great athleticism. The shot scared me, but I was like, he, he looks like he could be such a unique weapon and watching the game. I was like another guy that needs the ignite and the ignite needs him because I was like, he looks like he just doesn't like everything sped up to supersonic speed and, and he doesn't know what to do. And I was very low on him in the beginning of the year. The leap he's taken to right now is unbelievable. Like it is, that's the holy grail of the Ignite is what Leonard Miller has turned into in one year. And everyone thought this was going to be a negativity podcast. And (laughs) I just threw a curveball at you. I, I, I praise Coach Hart, the Ignite, developmental staff, Leonard Miller Leonard, for working yeah. his ass off. Like everything about it has been awesome. I just don't have him as a lottery guy. I don't have him there. I, I I've got him later because I think if you, you've got to have a right plan for him mm-hmm. to be Leonard Miller, like to, to let him be himself. And I don't know where I want him to go. But I, I feel like I'm going to watch the whole draft and just be like, where's he? like someone just who's believing who's buying in it. And he's probably my, my number one guy. I'm going to keep asking around about, I'm like, what do you think? What do you think? Cause I'm going to find someone who likes him and I'm going to be like, okay, <laughs> like I'm going to find it. And it's, I, he's, he's a really fascinating study for me personally, because the more I watch the more I'm like, gosh, man, this could work, but I'm just like, where, like who is buying into it? And I, I don't know. So I'm sorry, Metcalf. I just had to vent that a little bit so I could focus. Now, where are you? Like, hit me with your vent. Help me help you. <laughs> we'll, we'll say this is like Goodwill hunting. You know, um, I'm at Damon. You're Robin Williams. All right, rest in peace. And we're going to, you know, go a little back and forth, air it out. You know, um, you're going to give me some Fenway Park story about <laughs> me and your wife. Gotta go see about a girl. <laughs> All right. Um, so last year, um, I hated it. I, 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 hated, I just didn't get I hated it. all of it. Um, and it is, and not, now I could see him as a first round guy. And it, that is just incredible growth in one year. And I think it's really important to note that this was basically the first year of him playing structured basketball with where he was held accountable and actually, you know, got high level coaching and wasn't allowed to just do whatever the fuck he wanted to out on the court. And that was a big thing last year where it's like, okay, like there are flashes of cool stuff, but it doesn't really feel like he knows how to play basketball this year that he showed that he might be one of the most coachable kids in this entire draft. And that is really important when we talk about long-term projection, because it, it shows that he has an insane work ethic. He's willing to take direction. He's willing to work on different areas of his game, even if it doesn't lead to gaudy stats. And, you know, to counter that, he put up really good numbers in the G League um, 
for being so raw. It's really, 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 really impressive stuff. I cannot understate that enough. And for the people who have him in their lottery, I'm assuming that one of the big reasons is look at the jump he took in one year, given, you know, his circumstances and just imagine what that could be for another two to three years. That makes sense. If, if that, if you have him in the lottery because of that, I, I can understand it. I can support it. All of that. I just don't think it's going to be quite as linear development as that. It's, I, I think so much of what gets hyped up with him is so theoretical and kind of ignores what he did on the court this year. I, I don't see the dynamic ball handling and offensive creation that a lot of people see. Um, the shot I think needs to be completely reworked. Um, the defensive stuff is still bad. Um, it got a lot better throughout the year. Started the year. It was really bad. Um, end of the year, it was passable. There was, but what was so encouraging about it is that he, there, there is versatility with his on ball and interior and perimeter defense. Um, I thought he did a really good job of staying vertical at the rim. Um, and you could tell that he wanted to defend. There was work there. There was thoughtfulness there. It so it's just a thing right now with me. I think more so of he just needs more experience, and that's going to come. I get all of that, and the draft is always a long term thing. But I late first, I would be happy to take him there. You know, we're talking 25 ish range, I think much earlier than that. Um, I, I think that's a really, really, really big risk. In the, in that range you're seeing, or earlier, or earlier. So, like, if you're taking him top twenty, I, I think you either you have an incredible developmental staff and a very detailed idea or plan of how you're going to kind of grow his game, um, and you see a lot more upside and versatility on both ends of the floor. I just don't see that versatility yet. I think, um. I, I think the cleanup work and the hustle plays that he does on both ends of the floor is awesome. And it's stuff that we didn't see from him previously. And that is how he got so much of his numbers this year was crashing the offensive glass, crashing the defensive glass, um, mucking things up, outworking guys. That's awesome. That's a skill in and of its own. But I'm not sure there's a whole lot more other than that. He averaged 16.9 points, 10.1 rebounds, 1.6 assists, um, 0.8 blocks, 1.0 steals, 38 games, 29 minutes, um, 53% from the field, 30% from three, 79.2% from the field. He ended the year just on an absolute tear. Um, he had a 33 and 11 game at almost at the end of the season. He ended the year with 29, 14 and four. Um, and four blocks. So that's pretty, pretty solid evening. Um, I'm right there with you with this. It's on, and I want to go back because I don't want people to think we were just bashing him. But like when I said, I was just completely out last year. I was just like, he's not an NBA. He's not ready for the NBA. Like he'll get eaten alive. He's so raw. He needs another year. And that's all I was saying. I was just like, we're always rooting for these guys to have success. And clearly the ignite was a, unbelievable it's one of the best developmental stories in this draft because he's just now he's legitly looking like a potential first rounder i just i'm i'm just struggling to find where i want him to go because like i'm trying to look at a list of teams but i don't know like does sacramento make sense I would certainly help their rebounding issues. Um, you and know, I'm, like if, yeah. if Miami w- jumped all over him at 18, I'd be like, that Oh, makes some sense. Okay. Um, I, I think my big disconnect with where, you know, the people who are all in on him, I think my big disconnect with them is I, he, I, I see him getting comp to Lamar Odom and Jared yeah, Vanderbilt. And we need to stop with I, Lamar Odom. I think people forget what Lamar Odom he was. was. A problem. He was a. I've I fucking love Lamar <laughs> Odom as a player. Like he was unreal. 
Yeah, and I, I, also I don't watch him destroy that. my life with the Lakers in the title games. So I don't need everyone to try to tell me that Leonard Miller is Lamar Odom. Now and, there's flashes of it, which you can watch highlights and be like, "Oh, look at this!" He, I'm like, Lamar Odom was very, very like composed, skilled, and also could hit an outside shot consistently. Well, there's that, <laughs> and I, I don't see any of the on-ball creation stuff from Leonard Miller. I know there's stuff from his high school tape where it was a little more impressive, but there was none of it against NBA level competition. And I thought his ball handling, everything was North South. I thought, I didn't think there was any, I thought he really, really struggled to create any space. Um, even on like mid range jumpers. Um, I thought the passing was, eh, I, I didn't see any of this dynamic defensive manipulation and passing guys open and, you know, really moving different levels of the defense. Um, the scoring is what it is. The outside shot is what it is. Hopefully it's not that forever. Um, but offensively, if you're going to drop Lamar Odom, that is not the guy to use it on because he hasn't shown any of that against superior competition. And then defensively, I think, you know, people see, Oh, good athlete, great length, good size, can't shoot. Jared Vanderbilt. Really, next time you watch the Lakers, watch how Jared Vanderbilt moves his feet and watch how quick he is. Watch how low in the stance he gets. Watch how he slides over screens. Leonard Miller can't do that. Not yet, at least. Maybe if he slimmed down and, you know, he's not fat or anything by any means. But if he, you know, got a little leaner, probably a better way to put it. Um, Maybe he could get there, but I don't see it. I would rather have him bulk up and go the Kevon Looney route and be that kind of physical undersized big man. I don't think he has the foot speed or the footwork to defend on the perimeter. Like Jared Vanderbilt does what Jared Vanderbilt does is really special stuff on defense. But what Leonard Miller currently does, he's really strong. He's really physical. He has really good verticality, uh, just a menace on the boards. If he took that Kevon Looney route and focused on getting stronger and really honing those interior defensive skills, now I'm now I can get around with the idea of okay, twenty to twenty-five. That that's a really really interesting player. Like. Things that I like, really high motor. I yeah. love how he, you know, he'll battle. He's a, he's a menace on the boards. Um, I also like how quick he can get to his second and third jump. Like he keeps his hands up, so he gets a lot of. I think was it you that you said he's like a garbage. He's like a garbage guy around the basket, and I was like, yeah, that's a great. You know, that's not insulting. That's exactly yeah, he, what he, he is. He's he's a janitor. Janitor. That's exactly what it was. I was like, that's that's a fantastic. You know name drop um or shout out brian Cardinal. he's named the janitor so i just think like that's that's kind of the vibe i feel for him of like oh he he's very active around the boards Mm -hmm. he could be an offensive rebounding maniac for you if you have him down there so that's pretty good finisher out of the role yes pretty good finisher he's shown some flashes with like you know some touch with his offhand even in the lane which i'm like okay that's fine um the shot He's, it looks like he's tried to do everything to work with it. Like I've seen games where he really slows it down to try to get accurate. I've seen games where he's tried to speed it up to get accurate and it sprays either way. His lower body is very inconsistent. It moves all over. Sometimes his feet are super narrow. Sometimes he catches it and it's like a scissor with his kick with his feet on the fall through. Sometimes it's just, it, it it looks like he was just trying something and I don't know if it's just tinkering with too much, but it, it, it it's just all over the place for me. And, and I hope someone gets him and just like, let's work with it. But I don't think he's ever going to be a guy that, and I'm not trying to, sorry, I'm not trying to make this thing mad. I don't think we're ever going to say Leonard Miller is a respectable floor spacer no, or someone we want to floor space. I think you're going to want him to be more, of like your big man or your small ball five that you just rebounding like Kavon Looney's actually a great little example there of like maybe that's your factor of like and that's my I want him to go to a team that might be picking later because then you put him around other pieces and shooters and then 
you let Leonard Miller do what Leonard Miller does of like being a force around the basket. I don't know the, the, the defense. There's some good flashes, but there's also some like closeout footwork. That's choppy. It's, it's, it's bad. It's the bad. Are yes. So I, I don't want it to seem like we're, we're ripping them apart, but it's unbelievable. The growth he's had in one year. And if some teams convinced that there's another level to find, that's where I could see him being an early, like a first round pick. And and I, I'm right there with you. If you pick him, you know, as you said, 18, I think 18s were like, if you're, if you're buying into the Leonard Miller experience, Miami does make some sense. Miami, it would be a great spot for him to go because, you know, Bam would be with him. He'd have that motor that's just cooking. They need that rebounding high energy guy. They could work with that. And they've shown their developmental is fantastic. So, I mean, I don't know, but people like, you know, he's going top 13. I'm like, good luck. I, good luck. Yeah, so I, I just don't want to throw that unrealistic pressure at this guy early on. Cause let's just keep letting him develop and wherever he goes, I'm going to root for Leonard Miller. That's what we oh, did. That's, I, I'm root for every one of these guys, but and I'm, I'm super optimistic about what he could grow into given the growth that we've seen this year. But there are, you know, 20 plus guys that I would be willing to kind of take that bet on or take that swing on over him right now. And I think what you said earlier about his landing spot being so important, it's incredibly true because I, I think if a team drafts him and views him as a wing, I think the results are not going to be great. If they view him as a big or small ball big or a forward or, you know, whatever you want to classify that grouping as, then I think there's something really there because just the, the rebounding motor, the rebounding instincts, the verticality, I know I've said it like 10 times now, but it was all really impressive throughout the year. He put up really good numbers in a really tough league. I don't think he, I think the scoring numbers were a little inflated. I think the G league style, boosted those quite a bit uh, because so many of his points were cleaning stuff up around the rim. That's a skill. It's going to be less so in the NBA. But when we talk about kind of fits, how would you feel if OKC traded with Indiana and traded back into the first round at 26 and took them? Love it. That's the range I love. No, I'm just saying like, that's the range I love. Like I'm, I'm looking at the order right now. Yeah. And I've done this for like, he's not the only one I've done this, but I've done this with a lot of prospects where I'm like, where, where do I like it? Yeah. Um, now and I've never seen Memphis. Memphis for sure. Ever since you said Kevon Looney, I'm like, does Golden State just say like, we duplicate, we clone Kevon Looney and just have <laughs> him come off the bench? I don't, I just, Brooklyn, eh? Um, Portland, eh? Sacramento helps the rebounding. Memphis makes sense. The funny thing is, like, I actually I can't get this idea of him going to Denver out of my head. But like now, he's not going to go there because Denver doesn't have a first. So I don't know. Like, I just don't. I don't know. I really, really don't know. But I like the idea of someone going up to get him. And OKC's got two firsts. Like, I understand that. But I also love Thunder fans when someone was like, yeah, they're going to take him at 12. I was like, I hope they don't. But yeah. I, you know, if I'm not going to doubt Presti, but um, I just don't know. I really don't. He, and now I'm trying to talk myself into the Celtics, <laughs> like, making sense. But I just, I don't know. I don't know. He, he's definitely an interesting one. Definitely one of the more polarizing prospects. Um it, I, I think he's worthy of going in the first round uh, for sure, but he's got, I, I, I think he's one of the kind of widest ranging uh, prospects when we talk about big boards, uh, not just at no ceilings, but at large. So it'll be fascinating to see where he kind of lands. Um, last guy on the ignite um, Mojave King. What were your takeaways with him? It, there was a point in the year I was really just a fan of Mojave King. I, I was like, this is going to be like, he might not go first round, but I said, I think this is going to be someone that could potentially be a nice little diamond in the rough. Um, he's just one of those guys that I feel like every time I watched the ignite, he kept popping like with making a good play. And I was like, man, that's a nice play. And then 
one of his things from overseas, it was like every NBA team was very smitten on him, but it was just inconsistent. Like the, the, the production never was consistent. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the ignite, it was all of a sudden starting to come alive. And I was like, "Uh Oh, here we go. And then just the inconsistency came back. So I'm interested to see where that stock could be at, because I still believe that there might be a team that's like, Hey, maybe this is a rotation guy. We could develop into a nice smart player. Cause he does make, he does play smart basketball. Yeah. Like I, I like, I think those are the type of guys that evaluators or, or fans might not be higher on that. NBA teams and scouts could be higher on because they're like, this is going to be a guy that could come off the bench and make smart plays, moves the ball, understands when it's his shot, you know, plays good defense. So I don't, Mojave's a tough one for me because I'm, I'm trying to see it. I'm like, okay, am I thinking of as an evaluator or am I thinking as like an NBA scout? Because there's a difference in my opinion. Like I, I could have a guy up on my board and, Sometimes you got to think like, would an NBA team like this guy more because the production guys are always fun for us, mm-hmm. but sometimes NBA guys are more intrigued with like, oh, he always makes that hockey assist or he always is making the smart rotation or, you know, he's really intelligent or his intel is fantastic about what type of player he is. And I don't know. It's, I don't know if that's confusing for some, but. Where are you at with Mojave? Do you think there's a shot still he's getting drafted? Do you think this could be a little diamond in the rough? Do you think this is a two-way guy that needs some more G League run? Yeah, and I would be willing to spend like a late second-round pick on him. Um, I thought his off-ball movement was superb. I I think he's one of the best cutters in this draft. Uh, Just his timing, recognition of kind of cutting lanes, I thought was so impressive. He was just one of these guys where the numbers never really felt like they lined up with the tape. I never came away from any of the games like, Oh God, he can't shoot. Like this guy's uh, like his shots broken. I never came away with that thought, but then you look at the numbers. It's like, Oh God, this guy can't shoot. And it's like, what the fuck was that? Um, So it's really frustrating because unfortunately he's going to be one of these guys where it's, is the shot going to come around or no? And if it doesn't get to high 30%, he's, probably unplayable unfortunately um i thought he was a sneaky good driver um good finisher around the rim you know kept the ball moving didn't really you know just never had those plays where you questioned like what are you doing um defensively i thought he was a really smart defender both on and off ball but i think there's some physical limitations where it's like okay this he's never going to be a great defender but i don't think he's necessarily going to be a huge detriment to you to your defense so it sucks i hate this platitude but he's going to be one of these guys where it's like okay can you figure out how to hit a corner three at the minimum and if not there are a thousand other guys that teams can go after that's my biggest thing with him is i mean i'm even looking back at his splits throughout the year and i'm just in awe of the Number, the shooting numbers because I'm like he's not that bad of a shoot like what and, and finish the year um, according to uh, the G League website uh, 30 games 25 minutes he averaged 8.1 points 4.7 rebounds 1.2 assists um, shooting splits of 41 24 80 which a 24 is just a shocker yeah. and then I'm looking at the splits like by month and December to March, you know, 25, 26, 22, 21. And in February, he was getting an uptick in minutes. He averaged 29.2 minutes. He averaged 10.6 points, 5.3 rebounds, but still just shot like 22% from three. And, and you've watched games. He's got a smooth shot from outside. So that's just shocking to me. But if he wants to have any shot, no pun intended, of making the league and kicking on, sticking on a roster, he's got to get that outside shot. Like he's got to be if he could shoot 40% from three, he would stick on a roster. Cause I think that's just his game and how smart he could be. But it's always been the thing with him. Like he, he came from New Zealand and it was always like, he's got tools, he's got size, inconsistencies. And, and I thought this year it was turning the corner. I was like, this is a fun one. And I really do 
agree with you. Like the tape doesn't measure up with the numbers. I'm always like watching those games. I'm like, Javi can play. Like he yeah. hits some nice shots. He's got a and he's cutter. Like I don't know. It's it's just annoying, and it wouldn't shock me if he gets drafted because I, I'm right there with you. I think someone late second round be like, this is worthy of it. That's also a guy like if you like him, you might not want to be like a. I'm gonna wait for him as an undrafted. You know, try to get him on a two way. But I think this year is where we're gonna get three two ways, right? That's a guy you would probably want to throw in on one of those if you can. So yeah. never know. Well, Rucker, this was a blast. Uh, please plug away. Um, I'm at Tyler underscore Rucker on Twitter. I just did a couple of uh, basketball brand- bandits breakdowns on YouTube on Kobe Buffkin and Casey Wallace. Metcalf gave me crap for them being too long. So we're <laughs> going to try to do a new segment, maybe focus on some specific skill sets where Metcalf told me the idea and I basically wanted to throw my chair out of excitement. So we'll make those shorter, but um, yeah, go check those out. Go check out our YouTube channel. Thanks guys for all the support. Lottery's right around the corner. We're going to have a big announcement. I think the, morning of the lottery i'm gonna i'm gonna figure out if that's the day we want to do it but um i love you all and we we will be doing live stuff on lottery night uh make sure to follow our socials at no ceilings nba um just to make sure that once those more detailed accounts come out uh that you see them and you can come hang out with us it's going to be an awesome night um and just you know the next step towards the draft it's it's the next big milestone uh but once again i'm tyler metcalf you can follow me on twitter at team metcalf one one uh you can find all of our written work at no ceilings nba.com and you can watch this podcast along with a whole bunch of other stuff at no ceilings tv on youtube if you enjoyed this episode please make sure to subscribe leave a review and five star rating until next time see ya